everybody. My name is Jordan Tenenbaum. I'm the host of the Saligo Technology Leadership Podcast, uh, along with my co-host, Mark Simon, who's the VP of Strategy over here at Saligo. And for the second time, back again, Martin Zerudo. He is the Director of Enterprise Sales over at Quartile. Martin, great to have you. How are you doing? Hey, Jordan. Hey, Mark. Happy to be here a second time. Uh, I'm a little jealous. I didn't get invited back sooner, but I'm happy to be here nonetheless. <laughs> great to have you, Martin. It's always fun to talk to you. Yes, Always sir, fun yes, to sir. have Martin on the pod. Um, Likewise. Well, apologies, it couldn't be sooner, but we might as well jump right into it. Better late than never. <laughs> um, Martin, tell us a little bit about Quartile. I know it's a, a new role and a new position and kind of a new field. Yeah. What, is, uh, yeah. what does Quartile do? What do you solve for your customers and what's going on there? Yeah, so, you know, from my previous background surrounding Amazon account management, probably one of the most, if not the most important piece was campaigns, right? Campaign management, ad management, and really being able to reach a wide variety of customers, both off Amazon and on Amazon. And six months ago, there was an opportunity for me to join Quartile in the director of enterprise sale role, where really my job is to be able to sell and essentially pitch and see if there's a good fit with brands who are looking to scale uh, not only their sales, but also improve their ad efficiencies. And that's essentially what Quartile does. Um, you know, if you take a high level view, it's a tech plus team approach to ad management, to ad efficiencies and to, to you know, brand growth and, and, and ad sales. And so Quartile is the world's largest cross-channel e-commerce ad platform. We manage ads on Amazon, on Google, Walmart, Instacart, through the Critio network. And the way we do that, like I mentioned, is the tech plus team approach. So I'll start with the team first. We have over 350 uh, team members worldwide. I want to say 80% of them are channel strategists, whether that's SEO, Amazon, Google, different marketplaces, product engineers who are developing all the tech in the background. So what's the tech side of, of our ad piece or ad services? It's proprietary AI technology that allows us to make very specific AI-based bid adjustments to campaigns across the board at scale. So what that means is whether you're selling one product that has 10 campaigns or you have a huge catalog of 1,000 SKUs with 10 campaigns each, our tech is able to at scale make those optimized bid adjustments, not based off of any kind of subjective changes or assumptions on what we should make adjustments for based off of the conversion. It's literally hourly bid optimizations based off of what Amazon is feeding to us at that time, as well as historical data, sales trends, seasonal trends, all of that is being factored in, in our backend algorithm to make the most efficient bid change uh, for our customers. Wow, that's uh, some pretty high level stuff. Um, thank you for, for clarifying. And, and I hope that makes sense. <laughs> no, it does. even for me, I swear to God, it does. I promise. Okay, cool, cool. Um, Mark, I know you're, we've, you've been kind of uh, itching to ask some AI-related questions, <laughs> so I'll, I'll open it to you now. Go ahead. Uh, sure. Well, Martin, you know, a lot AI is like such a topical uh, thing lately. Like you, you can't go anywhere. You know, whether it's uh, <laughs> my my 96-year-old grandmother asking me about AI or the neighbor yeah. or something, let alone yeah. the, your uh, CEO or the board. Um, you know, everybody, everybody's looking at it almost regardless of size, you know, the, right. the, the kind of the new, the evolution of the generative AI and, 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 um, language models, et cetera, have really, have really changed the game in the last few months. So everybody's sure. aware of it, but I, I I'm curious. I mean, Quartile has been doing this for a while, right? It's not like yes. you're just, you're just moving in here or, or I'm, I'm curious, you know, how long, uh, Quartile has been leveraging and building AI technologies and, and right. focusing on on ad management in, in this way because I think that really matters well a lot right now because it's, it's hard to tell who's who's really got depth of experience and who's just sort of jumping in in no, the last exactly. couple months, right? Who's a fly by night white label chat GPT service? Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Which is popping up almost every week, everywhere. Um, so great question. So I Quartile started, but you know, five or six years ago, our CEO Daniel and a bunch of co-founders from Brazil, you know, came up with this idea of let's talk about traditional, you know, Amazon um, campaign structure. So you'll pick a product you want to advertise, the type of advertising you want to do, um, where you want to place it, and then the type of keywords that you want to target. Now, in this traditional ad structure, you're going to have more than one keyword. Right. And when you perform or run these ads, 
um, you'll get certain KPIs that will show whether or not it's running well or not. The challenge with this is you won't necessarily know through the traditional Amazon ad console what keyword or key phrase is really driving that performance because it's grouped into uh, these campaigns. And so what Daniel and the co-founders decided was what if we created a one-to-one structure? So for every single one of your products, we'll create a campaign for one uh, ASIN or SKU, um, one match type, and one keyword. Right and 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 have singular placements to determine what placement, what keyword, what match type is really driving the conversions. That's what they eventually would call quartile one. Now, at the beginning of the company, this is what they revolutionized was this quartile one approach, but the bidding would be done through AI, right? Because traditionally it was very manual, and depending on how great your internal resource was or how great the agency was that you're utilizing, your mileage may vary on how effective their subjective bid changes were so okay. quartile one sorry go ahead, go ahead yeah so with that that model then martin with quartile one a typical company might have been grouping things into these campaigns that were sometimes fairly large buckets and Absolutely. they didn't really have the visibility and the granularity if i'm following Correct. and with this model you said no that you, you don't have the granularity you need so you you create these very fine grained precise buckets but then that yeah. creates a i would assume a management problem if you were doing it manually so you've, you've exactly. got way too many to manage am exactly. i am i following properly no no 100 percent. and that's actually one of the challenges um that the company encountered earlier was like okay well if if it's going to make a whole bunch of campaigns for me you know, how, how do I manage this? Well, that's where the AI comes in, right? So the scalability of that campaign structure is dependent on the AI being able to make those manual, or sorry, those automated changes. Because unlike a computer, we have to sleep. And unlike a computer, we have different time zones in terms of when we're awake, mm-hmm. when the brand owners are awake, when the customers are awake. And so 24 hours of, of a day requires a level of granular adjustments, whether you have it, bucketed into a whole bunch of keywords or whether you have them all broken up into singular campaigns, there still needs to be at scale some sort of automated monitoring to make your bid adjustments um, are performing really well. Mm-hmm. How has that changed now, now that it's 2023, you know, five or six years later? About two years ago, uh, Quartile was part of a closed beta that was helping Amazon develop what is now called the Amazon Marketing Stream. And so Amazon Marketing Stream or AMS will provide people who are connected to their API hourly data, conversion rate, cost per click, average order value. So now we're not just dependent on downloading reports and seeing what the results are. We're actually getting that information hourly in real time. I think the refresh window is like every 15 minutes, which is fantastic. The advantage that Quartile has over others who have access to AMS is that because of our relationship with Amazon, we were able to integrate the AI-based bid optimization into AMS. So we remove the need to download the AMS data, plug it into any other either manual or automated process and then make those changes. It's happening in real time uh, in synergy of one another. As the AMS data comes in, the bid optimization happens through Quartile's platform. And on top of that, so we have a third awesome change, which happened, I think, late last year is Quartile Versa. Another way where say, Mark, you came to me and said, I love the quartile one structure, but I'm an amazing PPC ninja. And the campaigns that I perform or created are performing super fantastic. I love the bid optimization side of what quartile does, but I want to keep the structure. Mm. Can you help me? Traditionally, we couldn't. A year and a half ago, we introduced Versa, which allows us to import your campaigns, Mark, and then layer the bid tech on top. So you kind of get the best of both worlds, whether you want to do the quartile one approach where it's very granular, or you want to import your really high effective campaigns, totally up to you. So you can still bring in, if, if you've got a strong team, you can still bring in your own special sauce, so to speak. Exactly. Um, and leverage exactly. that with the with the bid optimization tool. Exactly. Because sometimes okay. brands will switch out services and they'll go to us, but agencies who already have great relationships with their brands and have great existing internal PPC teams just need a tool that'll help them scale what they're currently doing. And so we're not about you know replacing or... or change management or anything like that. We're providing that service to these agencies that they can import their already hard, well-tested campaigns and scale from there. That's that's super cool. So with with the platform, you're getting 
you're you're getting performance monitoring. So I mean, it's, it's the performance monitoring of the campaigns and the management, and then because it's using uh, the Amazon Marketplace streaming, you're getting that all with with really tight frequency. So you're yeah. getting you, you don't have to wait. Yeah. Okay. That that makes. I mean, I see the value there. I mean, it's been a long time. Uh, kind of going back into my history a little bit where I, I actually had to, I was managing ad campaigns or teams doing that, but the principles of that have like always stuck with me, even when I've become more removed and, you know, just the measurability, right? First of yeah, all, no, you, absolutely. Have, you know, how tight can you get this measurability? And and we see, I've seen that working with, with clients in my consulting past, working with customers at Saligo, and we'll talk to a CMO and they'll tell us, Oh, hey, you know what? I, I, I don't really have, I don't get my ads, my return on investment on a campaign or ad spend for Correct. like a month, 30 days. And that's like, and it's an eternity. And so they're miss, you know, what, what I've, I've seen is if you're, if it's the longer your window, the more you're missing out on, you're either missing out on opportunities 100%. where you should be spending more or you're overspending when you should be dialing it back like you're not exactly. getting the return you need so you're, you're always sort of miss you're always sort of out of not quite in alignment so if you bring that frequency yeah. down right um, no no absolutely it's crazy because if you look at the ams in our portal um maybe i can share a screenshot or like you can you can share jordan you know as, as like a promotion post of this but it will show you at 12 o'clock conversion rate is like 12. at 1 a.m it's like 11 at 2 a.m it's like eight percent and then slowly but surely as we get closer to 6 a.m 7 a.m that conversion rate is going up now for regular you know joe's like us what does that really matter half a percentage point here a percentage point there if you're spending hundreds of thousands of dollars a month on ad spend and you can throttle or ramp up ad spend based off of these minute changes in conversion rate that's equating to thousands upon thousands, sometimes tens of thousands of sales within the hour. And if you're not looking at those and making adjustments, mm -hmm. whether it's a manual solution, hey, somebody, maybe you have, you have a team that has 24 hour coverage, great. Or an automated solution, it's still money on the table. And so you're 100% right. If you're not constantly looking back and making these optimization changes, that opportunity window is gone, right? Every hour during every day is different for every product, for every season, for every trend that's happening currently, right? So while that information is coming, how are you leveraging it, right? What is your solution to leverage that conversion data? I have a quick question, Martin. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to accounting for seasonal changes or right. um, annual changes or things like that, I think it's very clear why or how Quartile does that and why it's helpful. Now, uh, coming from a social media perspective, let's say Walmart is, is a customer perhaps, and they drop a new ad campaign that mm -hmm. starts to go incredibly viral you know, think Barbie or Oppenheimer viral, where it's all over the place where it doesn't need to be. Um, does Quartile incorporate any other uh, social listening or online listening or video or radio listening to catch uh, those trends that maybe aren't seasonal or annual and incorporate them into ad spend or bid optimization? So, great question. And this is actually kind of my segue to this little experiment I did before the call that I was going to surprise you both with. So um, as it relates to how does the ads and the functionality of our automated bid service relate to other things that are happening in the business, the primary concern, at least for our services, is inventory. Because whether external factors, either social virality or other supply uh, traffic sources is increasing the amount of conversions and, and sales for a particular product, we're always looking at inventory, regardless of where that traffic and attention is coming from. So if inventory starts to get really, really low and the sales velocity is like skyrocketing for some reason, the, the platform will be able to notify us as well as a brand that, hey, this thing is skyrocketing. Either we, if you want to, we don't want to stock out. So do we throttle back? So that gives you a little bit more time or, hey, you're like, I'm fine. A shipment's going to be here in the next couple of days. If we stock out, great. Just ramp it up and let's take advantage of the virality. So it's very much focused on inventory, which allows you to have a level playing field, whether it's coming from Meta or TikTok or Google. So long as you have the inventory and there's a strategy in place to either ramp up or throttle down your ad spend, then you've, you're pretty much covered as it relates to Quartile. Um, having said that, I know that I'm here to talk about Quartile. I don't want to just keep plugging Quartile. I do want to talk about the awesomeness about Saligo. Right. And of course, we have Saligo audience members here as well. So what I did since Saligo is all about automation, first mindset, quote unquote, Mark Simon, and Quartile is all about automation as well. I went on ChatGPT, our automation AI friend, 
And I said, hey, ChatGPT, give me three hypothetical scenarios for how Celigo and Quartile could integrate and help one another. How can Quartile services and Celigo services help a brand that might be utilizing both, right? So I've got three scenarios for you. Number one, say an e-commerce brand wants to retarget previous customers um, with products that complement past purchases, right? So the integration piece would be using Celigo if a business has a really you know, extensive CRM or customer database, that's a really significant source of first-party data. How does that first-party data translate to any of the ad efficiencies or, or ad strategies that Quartile could do? Well, we can ingest that first-party data into an Amazon DSP campaign that Quartile would run, and it will allow us to be more specific and more targeted with any of the, the demographics and the audiences and the lookalike audiences that we would go after, whether it's new to brand, repeat purchases, people who are purchasing products that are complementary, people who are purchasing products from your competitors, all of that first-party data that is already flowing through the automations of Celigo can also be integrated to a Quartile DSP platform uh, campaign, and they work hand-in-hand, hand, right? That information is already there. The wealth of that information is in Celigo. Why not use it also for an automated campaign through DSP with Quartile? So that's scenario one. Thoughts? Yeah, that's that's really interesting. That's great. So if I heard you correctly, Martin, you're, that would be taking the the historical sales and customer data. The customer already has in it likely in their ERP that that very likely if they're using Celigo already, they've pulled out of their their multiple sales channels. So maybe their 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 web web store web stores, mm -hmm. obviously their Amazon marketplace. If they got Correct. a Walmart presence, etc pulled those into the ERP, but we can feed those back, feed that exactly. back out to something like that. And then that would drive essentially the quartile would leverage that data to, to make smarter decisions about the, the cross sell upsell opportunities, the relationship, the purchasing relationships. Absolutely. Because the yeah. thing is when you're creating cool. programmatic ads through DSP, it's only going to yeah. be as good as how you set up the campaign. And if it doesn't have any existing first-party data, then it's going to learn and it's going to be as efficient as it can be as it ramps up. But if you ingest all of that first-party data that already exists, that's coming from multiple sources that Celigo has already you know, aggregated together, then you're opening the floodgates and you're way ahead of your, co your competition who isn't using a joint solution like a Celigo slash Quartile. Um, but I have a second scenario. Okay, so let's say we have a fashion brand sells all their really great products online, all their different clothes. However, as we know with fashion, there's a lot of frequent returns because the sizes might be wrong. You know, the feedback, oh, it doesn't feel right. I thought it was going to fit a certain way. The material's not nice, right? So here's the integration piece. Say the fashion brand is using Celigo and they have a return management system, right? Or some sort of customer feedback portal. All of that is automated. All of that information is there. Theoretically, you could take that information and connect it to Quartile and say, hey, if it triggers a threshold of returns, maybe we launch a new product, people want to buy it, but for whatever reason, what we shipped out, this particular palette has an issue, right? Or we shipped out a certain product, and for whatever reason, the messaging was incorrect, the sizing was incorrect. We can actually throttle back or adjust the level of, of, of ad spend knowing that we don't want to compound the issue. Right, so there's another integration where mm. competitors might be selling hand over fist, but they're not going to find out that these things need to be returned. They're not going to find out that there's an issue with their product until they go through that entire process. And none of that is automated. But at scale, if there's an RMS system existing, if there's a customer feedback portal that's already automated, that data can be utilized to integrate to your ads so that you're not compounding the problem and you're also you're, you're increasing your ad efficiencies because you're not selling a product that eventually is going to have to be returned. Does that make sense? Uh, oh, totally. That that is really interesting. So instead of taking just the raw, essentially the raw margin, which is always an input to this the margin, the inventory, you're essentially would be able then to take the return data and the uh, essentially the return percentage and reason because you'd be able to take like apparel, whether it's a yeah. quality issue. Yeah. quality reason codes differentiated from sizing reason codes, for example, and use that to essentially adjust the margin calculation on the fly um, and by taking that into account. Yeah. And then tell, hey, Quartile, we're hitting certain thresholds here where it's not profitable for us. We're getting way too many returns or for whatever reason, the sizing or the listing is incorrect. Let's throttle it down. Let's not waste money. Let's, let's catch it now, fix it. And then we throttle back up and not waste any of that uh, you know, velocity or virality at the time.
that's really cool. That's very um, Toyota has a production kind of philosophy that's very similar. That if anyone sees any issue during the production line from start to finish, any worker on the floor can press a button and stop it, and the executives will come in. They'll figure out what the issue is, and then they'll fix it. So that rather than dealing with uh, you know callbacks or recalls or things like that. They say yeah. like, hey, we realize that there's a problem. Let's fix it now. I mean, obviously, this is a little bit extended metaphor, but uh, no, no, it makes you know, let's, sense. Let's fix it now and not have to deal with not only the cost of it, but like customer percentage, or customer perception, brand perception, um, people complaining online, cars breaking down, people potentially yeah. being injured or even dying, things like that. And obviously, with with clothing with clothing sales, hopefully <laughs> that would not happen. Hopefully, maybe my but, look will die, but not I won't die. But yeah. to your point and to that example, it's a lot of peace of mind. So instead of somebody having to press a button at an assembly line, it's automated for you. It'll be caught by Celigo, it'll be caught by Quartile, and it'll be an automated decision so that when you go to sleep, and I'm sure people who are listening who are who've been managing brands and campaigns before have gone to sleep one time, woke up in the morning, and they're like, What the hell happened to our sales? Or like, what the hell happened to this campaign? Right. And that happens when nobody, you know, you're quote unquote asleep at the wheel or nobody's watching. But, you know, in a world of e-commerce where it's a 24-hour sales cycle across every time zone, there needs to be a solution for the information that's coming through and the actionable things that we can do with that information. That all has to have some sort of automated solution because your competitors will, right? Yeah, that's that's super interesting. I think that's really relevant to a ton of uh, of our customers because we work with so many customers that are that are like a lot of e-commerce companies that are at an inflection point. So it's whether they're a, a large organization and they're they're sort of just launching their e-commerce channel or just scaling uh, or they're entirely in, and it's just a, a one channel for them or it's fully dedicated. They're often working with us because they need to automate it. And it's, right. it's because of their they're scaling out their go to market. So they might have had a successful direct North America channel, um, direct sales or or just Amazon. And now they're starting to broaden it out. And so they're go- and typically it's going globally. They're saying, hey, OK, we want to we want to launch uh, multi. We want to launch 10 or 12 Amazon in, in 10 or 12 Amazon marketplaces over the next year. So we can be very targeted by country or maybe by maybe sub brand, for example, same mm-hmm. thing with Shopify. And, and so you, they end up with that very same situation. Now they've got, they went from having one store in one marketplace 18 months ago yep. to now they've got 20 stores and marketplaces combined all, all around the world. And that's, that's very much like a, a topical concern because these things are now increase the volume, the, the team, you know, nece- aren't necessarily scaling out the, the, the e-commerce management teams to monitor yep. those things 24 seven. That's, that's really interesting. I mean, that's a, seems like a, you know, a, a great way to address that without having to add more bodies, more no. people monitoring that. What's no, I mean, and, and that's the great thing too, right? Whether it's Celigo or, or Quartile, like an automated solution at scale is meant to be cost-effective. You know, for those that we talk to and they're like, oh my God, it's going to cost this, it's going to cost that. But what we're talking about is the opportunity cost of not doing it, right? And like the peace of mind and the payroll in order to try and match that coverage, which we know is never going to be one-to-one because you can't outscale a scalable automated solution. That's literally the purpose <laughs> for why it exists, right? Okay, but last one. This was my favorite example. Well, real okay. quick, real quick, Martin. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Just before we get to the third option, for those yeah. of you who are hearing Martin, who are listening and saying, wow, the par- potential partnerships between uh, Celigo and Quartile seem infinite, I would encourage you to check out Celigo.com slash partners. That is Celigo.com slash partners. All right, Martin, let's hear that. Third example. <laughs> there you go. And for anybody who signs up from Celigo gets, I believe, a 55% discount off Quartile services. So you heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But lastly, okay. Um, and, and Mark can cover the other 5%, so it might be 60%. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so lastly, so say there's, you know, I'm sure all of us have at some point subscribe to like a subscription box service, whether it's like groceries or randomized like chocolates or socks or ties or what have you. So here's something that I thought was super interesting, right? So say there's a brand that sells subscription boxes and they know that there's a segment of their customers that are nearing the end of their subscription, right? 
two weeks out, two months out. So Lego obviously will have access and all that information is automated. They have a subscription management software that is connected. All that information is running through. You can integrate that to Quartiles, again, Amazon DSP, and ingest that first party ad and say, hey, run specific ads to this segment of audience where we know they're going to run out of their subscription in two months or they're going to run out of their subscription in two weeks or you want to bring them back after they've canceled. Again, there's so many opportunities mm-hmm. in using these automation solutions that already exist and synergizing them together to make really compelling adjustments to your ad strategy and overall brand strategy. Right. Like if you have the ability to access information, the next question is, okay, how do I use this information to grow my business? Right. How do I use this information to capture and and, and leverage behavioral purchasing, either patterns or how this information is going from one end to another? How do I capitalize that? Right. And I think it's such a compelling uh, combination. Right. Like Quartile is one sliver ads. Right. So Lego, which is why it's been super successful, is 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 able to cover a wide variety of integrations across a wide variety of different departments and tech stacks, which is fantastic. But if we're talking about e-commerce and products and sales, right, this is the one-two punch here. You have the information through Soligo. What's the uppercut that's going to knock them out, right? What's the other additional tech stack piece in this equation that's going to give you the advantage every hour, every single day? whether it's a fashion brand, subscription brand, a new brand trying to enter the market, or an existing blue chip brand that's really trying to find new ways to grow in different marketplaces. Um, for me, it's a no-brainer. And that's why I've been in e-commerce now, I want to say about five plus years. And every year I meet people like Mark, I meet people like Jordan, and it's so compelling to see how quickly our, our space changes and adapts. And what I love is having conversations about how we can continue to move forward and not stagnation. Because if you think everything is going to stay the same, tell me that in 2019. <laughs> if you think everything is going to stay the same, tell me that after the pandemic, right? The market will always change. And so the best thing you can do is be ready and be open to an automation first mindset that <laughs> gives you the speed to adapt to that change. I, I think the other thing that's, uh, you're 100% correct. And it, it always surprises me when very large, like, enterprise level organizations like i'm thinking the big dogs like walmart or right. you know nike or places like that are you know like even maybe five ten years ago like sears or mervyn's or places like that that like have have kind of fallen behind because they didn't take advantage of every single opportunity that is automation first or technology first and i, I think it just kind of you know that's obviously me being 30 years old and thinking to what's not around since i was 15 but i mean um <laughs> Those are the businesses that fell behind and and they did not adopt the type of mindset or technology that we've been talking about um, and and talking about its importance. And so I just think that, um, you know, of course, smaller businesses, younger um, business owners are are probably a little more hip to it. But I think that as larger businesses kind of uh, and enterprises really like realize how important that is, it's going to be interesting to see what changes in the next you know, three, five, 10 years, because it's only changing at an exponential rate. So Absolutely. I just wanted to echo what you said there, Martin. No, for sure. Um, I'm part of actually, a, oh, sorry, go ahead, Mark. I think you were going to say something. <laughs> well, I was going to say that, you know, it, it speaks to business agility. We spent a lot of time talking to our, our, our customers about that, especially if they're not, they don't quite see the vision for automation yet. And they're like, oh, we know we should do something, but they're kind of on the fence. And it's, it's you lay out the need the value of agility as a business to be able to automate more frees you up to react, actually frees you up to react fast, especially if you, if you build it the right way. Uh, I can remember 20 years ago building an automated e-commerce company and kind of ahead of its time, really automating, taking automation first approach, but having to hand code things or use a team build a team to code everything up and it was well worth it even as a small fast growing company but now you fast forward and the tools are a hundred times better and it's easier and you you can go back and change it and you you can use completely different resources it's you know that the level of agility is way way higher with that um yeah and 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 you were talking about that rate of change martin and and that's really like 
e-commerce of any industry I've worked with or in to me changes faster. It's pace of change is so high. It is incredibly hard to keep up as a, as a business. And so you really got to focus your energies on what you're doing well and like put them there where you're adding value as a, as a business leader. And then try to automate everything else where you're not adding value, you know, getting your product out the door is, is a, is a, you must do that really well. Um, but you shouldn't, there shouldn't be manual steps in there. That's just going to hold you back as a company, focus on where, where your, where your value add is to your customers, where you're, where you're creating that experience and community or, or originating through product or whatever, whatever experience you may be creating. No, Um, absolutely. Uh, You know, to piggyback off of that, like what I thought was so interesting, you know, leading up to our conversation today was, okay, say we take the chat GPT example, which I think is the most broad application of automation mm -hmm. that, you know, the masses would understand, right? Look at how that has absolutely upturned the apple cart. Let's just say out of all the different businesses, let's just say copywriting. I used to write copy for a wide variety of different (laughs) clients. And I still love to write copy. And do I think ChatGPT is going to replace a copywriter's ability to, you know, relate to the human experience? Not necessarily, but it's a tool that I think instead of me having to do the heavy lifting, I'm just making some slight adjustments. I'm just making some slight editorial changes, some subjective tones and changes so that it sounds a little bit more human. But it's completely upturned copywriting, right? Let's pause there. If ChatGPT in this one area has completely revolutionized our approach through this automation, let's take Soligo now. Finance and accounting, supply chain logistics, sales and CRM, human resources, marketing, customer support, product management. Imagine if Soligo could be your ChatGPT for all of those different departments through some form of automation, right? that's the vision there. I'm almost like I'm talking like I work for Sligo. <laughs> that's the, you know what I mean? But that's the opportunity. That's the business agility. You don't have to wait for a chat GPT to change one part of your business. Sligo exists already, just like with ad management. You don't need to wait for a chat GPT to come and automate your ads. Quartile exists already. And it doesn't mean that you have to be a, a significantly huge company to leverage these solutions. I'm in a Slack channel. I hope I don't get in trouble for this, but I'm in a Slack channel that tells us whenever a new customer, a new client, or a new brand uh, signs up for Quartile. And it, it tells us the size mm-hmm. of these brands. Now, I'm on the enterprise side. Obviously, our sales cycles are a little bit longer and our deals are a little bit more different. But every day between 10 to 20 is a slow day where I see new small to mid-sized businesses signing up to our automated services because it's not cost prohibitive when you see the long-term value of automation. And that's just an ad sales. And when I listed all those different functions that a business needs to scale, that's what Soligo can do for you. And it doesn't have to be a million dollars. I'm sure Mark can give a really great discount. But the point is the opportunity is there <laughs> if, you see, if you see what the tool can do. And for me, that's what I find super exciting about my job. I work from home. You know, I open the, I open the windows. I log in. I talk about automation all day long. Right. And for me, I find it super exciting because it's not like a fly by night solution. It's not like, oh, we're going to be here, then gone tomorrow. It's not some like NFT promise that it's going to, you know, change your life overnight. This is a process, a process of scale, a process of automation, a a change in the way you approach business. And it's a train that you got to get on. Yeah. You, you hit on that really well, Martin. And one of the things that you mentioned there, it's kind of in, in passing the 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 slack, the integration to slack right you're getting sales data that's pushed into the slack channel mm-hmm. when we think of the integration that we do at Soligo, we th- we pride ourselves that we're doing tons of back office integration we're doing typically almost all of our customers 95% of them we're, we're bringing their transactional data but what's really interesting is is and, and something that's simple that's way easier than that because you have to we're dealing with with financial data you have to get it right and nail it but mm. but one thing that's like really easy incredibly high value is integrations like that like collaboration integrations where you take data that's happening that's in one system and then you share it across the company through slack or microsoft teams or through another mechanism and whether it's your your top deals that have come through today uh you can use it for the you know, a, essentially a win wire like that, which is great. We can also use it in, in many other ways. Okay, what what 
you're sending out to a, a team in the warehouse or or the team managing your 3PLs when you've got uh, orders for MVP customers that have exceeded their their ship time thresholds, and now it, it pops up and it's right in front of them. Hey, we've got 10, 10 orders that, it, that it exceeded the threshold all of a sudden, and it's right there in front of them. And, and these things are like, those are actually really super, they're super easy to build integrations if you have the right tools, um, but they provide a lot of value because they start connecting the, your applications together. Like you, you start, it starts bringing information instead of being locked in a system somewhere out hands, to, to the team that can take action, have visibility and move forward to, to you know, usually improve a customer experience. I mean, ultimately. No, and that's the thing, right? It's like, it, you're not, nothing against brick and mortar. You're not, it's, you're not, it's not a mom and pop store in the corner, right? It's a global marketplace. And we have to start thinking about all the different ways in which information can be passed from one section of your business to another at the speed and agility that you're able to capture the global customer right and it's not difficult it's not have a pitch with mark it'll probably take about 45 minutes mine will probably take 45 minutes and in two hours your business has changed you know 100 percent. i i we've been going for for almost 45 minutes and so i just want to apologize no 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 you're good you're good i just i want to make sure that that um that we don't take up too much of your time martin i i have no, a, no, a question and again i'm i'm clearly not as um deep in bid optimization or uh, integration automation as both you and Mark are. Um, but I'm kind of curious, you know, it seems like right now AI is obviously the, the hot topic that we've been mm -hmm. discussing in automation and integration. In terms of, it could be automation, it could be integration, it even could be bid optimization, but what's next maybe on your radar and what's next on Quartile's radar? radar and, 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 you know, where do you see that growing? Is that adopting you know languages of the world in order to um, have uh, e-commerce businesses reach mm -hmm. every single uh, country and city is that um, some different type of machine learning that's incorporated into the ai base layer um, that quartile is doing what's next for kind of on your plate and what's next for quartile um, well, depending on when this comes out, if anybody's going to be at Accelerate next week, we're at Booth 160. Please stop by and we can talk to you a lot about some of the things that are coming down the pipeline. We do have a lot of new product changes that are coming. Uh, we're going to be at Accelerate. If anybody's going to be at uh, Expo East, I'll be there as well. Anybody's going to be at Unboxed in October uh, in New York, uh, I'll be there as well. We'll be there as well. But in terms of, okay, like what does the landscape look like in terms of quartile and e-commerce as a whole? So, you know, we've talked a lot about ChatGPT. I'm expecting the check in the mail from, um, I forgot who the founder was, who's now Filthy Rich. But um, as it relates to additions that we've done recently, we've integrated language, large language uh, learning models into our platform as it relates to keywords and key phrases. You know, what are the keywords, key phrases that we can integrate in some of these campaigns um, and use these, you know, these models to be more targeted as it turns as it relates to our ad campaigns. Unfortunately, I'm not a sales engineer, so I can't explain it a little bit more granular than that. But essentially, <laughs> what we're doing is instead of just looking at uh, numerical bids, we're also looking at how we can utilize um, uh, large language models to adjust the key phrases and keywords that we're targeting and utilizing in our various ads across the different channels and marketplaces that we provide services to. And that's what Mark is talking about, about the agility, right? ChatGPT, like, you know, blasted into the scene a couple of months ago, and then boom, now it's part of our platform. And that's the thing, you know, to be quite frank with SaaS offerings and tech, you know, whether it's ad tech or ed tech or any, you know, FinTech, any kind of business that's relying on, on, the, the unique value proposition of your, your tech offering has to have that agility. If something new comes up, how do we adjust to that? Not only the subjective like, hey, is ChatGPT part of your services? Because I, I saw this thing on TikTok and like, do you guys do that? Like people are going to want to know that. So you got to capture that new to brand. You got to mm -hmm. capture people who are like, oh, I want, I'm, I'm, in, I'm turned on to automation. Let me know more about that. ChatGPT, how do you guys? And then the middle to the bottom of the funnel is the more sophisticated, like, okay, I'm already with you. I've already considered using you. How are you adapting to the ever-changing landscape of automation and all these tools that are happening? And I think that's the great thing about Soligo. The great thing about Quartile is we have that mindset that we're not going to wait and say, hey, we've got a great AI or automated tool. We're good with that. We're good with 100 million. We're good with 200 million. We're good with our brands doing however many million. No, it's got to be a constant 
iteration and change. And the thing too with that is that initially we started with Amazon and then Walmart was like, hey, let's team up with Microsoft because we want to do this whole e-commerce thing too. And then the pandemic happened and then boom, Instacart came about and now people are trying to do things outside of just buying from these marketplaces and they want to buy from stores, but they want that automated and delivered to them as well. And now we were talking about, diff- I was at SuperZoo two weeks ago, which is like a the, the world's biggest global pet conference. And I spoke to probably 20 different people from across the country. They're all coming up with their own grooming websites, their own product marketplaces. They're, you know, Everybody is creating their own marketplace and platform on a wide variety of different marketplaces and channels. How do we serve all of these people? How do we provide an automation solution to all of these people? And that's what's happening at Quartile is we're not just dealing with you know how do we grow at the very top, but what are the things that are happening with startups, with new with new small businesses, with new ideas that are coming from left field, and you're like, wait a minute, that could use a little bit of automation. That could use a little bit of adaptation to our system. Hmm. And the next thing you know, that's being adapted across the board. Like I said, everybody's using AMS now. We were on that AMS train two years ago. You know, so we're ready to make that change. And there's a lot of things that I wish I could say that I don't want to get in trouble for, but that change definitely is coming. <laughs> I'm gonna um flip that real quick, Mark, before you ask a question. And I'm going to ask you this, Mark, because, um, you know, I'm not an executive. I don't always know exactly what's going on and at, at the top level of Saligo. And I think our listeners would probably be relatively interested. But to, to, to the same extent, what's on your plate in terms of automation or integration or AI specifically, Mark? And, and what's, what's coming with Saligo? We obviously just released a very big press release, kind of, uh, uh, the, uh, talking about the history of AI at Saligo that's been going on since 2019, we recently have a suite of new AI enhanced features that have been released to the public. So what's that about, Mark, and, and what's kind of coming in the next six months, year, two years that you can that you can talk about? I don't want to get you in trouble. Well, uh, that's great, Jordan. Your timing's really good because I just spent the last two days uh, talking about this with, with, with our exec team. Um, you know, one of the things for us is we saw the future of AI. We're an automation company and AI is just another tool in the automation toolbox. And we saw the potential of this several years ago and at the time said, hey, we, we need to be leveraging uh, uh, artificial intelligence and machine learning. We, we built a small team centered around that and that started focusing on and started in, in 2000 yeah in 2019 and that led that we focused on first at error management in the platform how to manage the errors because it's one of the biggest things we saw customers struggling with was the quantity of errors coming through and how to differentiate ones that should action should be taken really get rid of the noise and so that that was a big investment that led to our error, what we call our error management 2.0, which is really a, a big differentiator for us in the IPaaS space because it it leverages so much um, of, of that artificial intelligence, a, a, a model based on the thousands of customers we have and and the the millions of integration errors we see where we can those integration errors are coming from essentially data problems that filter through that make their way through well we can identify those patterns and then apply solutions um, recommend solutions in a lot of cases actually if you allow it actually take action to resolve those errors so that was where we started and you know honestly in some ways we haven't done a good job of telling that story because a few years people you said ai people really didn't care that much about it um they were focused so we were focused on the business solution not necessarily how we got to that business solution but that's been that's been something we've had invested in and really foundational but it means that we've got this we've been there and we already we have a, a an understanding already of this space like quartile does we didn't just sort of show up a few months ago and say hey we're just going to take our product and start slapping chat gpt on it now with with the the pro, the prevalence and the massively increased capabilities of tools like ChatGPT, it has given us opened up a whole other layer of capabilities within our product. And what really that is is because we're focused so much on power with ease of use, right? Allowing non like what do you think of as you know not traditionally technical business users accomplish things, uh, a tech savvy business user 
building flows, building automations on their own, and not just having to be a developer. Well, that's a really interesting area because we can close that gap because still there's some things that are best done with a developer in our platform. And, and because of that, uh, what it allows us to do is, is the, the new AI tools are allowing us to close that gap. So you don't need to go in maybe and write SQL or use a, a, a SQL editor tool if you're writing a query against a database, but just write in natural language how you, um, that you wanna pull from this table and join with data from here. And it'll actually write those statements for you. It'll it'll help you tune an expression, help you write JavaScript. It so covering closing that gap between what a business user can do and what a developer can do. But that there's tremendous value in that because the business user knows the business, knows the business process, and so that's really just like accelerating what someone could already do. And then in the third area that we see, which is really big for us is um, basically using our tool to help customers create AI, AI solutions. Meaning what you've heard us talking, Martin talking about through this whole podcast is about data, data here feeding data into their AI engine. So all AI models rely on data and quality data to be successful. And so what we're doing is we're allowing customers to, to move that data, have create higher quality data within their organization, and then also create some, some really cool solutions with tools that are readily available like OpenAI, ChatGPT, consume, say, data from your knowledge base, your support platform, your maybe an online community portal, bring all of these together in one spot and then allow customers or your internal team to ask natural language questions and get results back. I mean, that's an example of something we did already just with our platform, wiring these different sources of data and then plugging in and into putting the data into chat GPT and then integrating with Slack, uh, basically integrating Slack to chat GPT so you can use an interface that's right there and ask questions, just natural language, and it comes back and gives you the answer and also where it found the answer, how accurate it thinks the answer is, and maybe some alternate ones. So you'd be like, oh, you know what? This is a fly, it didn't do so well, this is a flyer, but you know, you can identify it and move on. But 95% of the time, it's saving someone tremendous research time. So, and that's just one example. We're seeing a lot of those things and it's actually kind of creating almost like a new sort of uh, business process type, which is this AI centered, business process type it's kind of in, injecting in other areas that where it's it's a tremendous uh opportunity for companies of all sizes to use what they have which is their own data and get a much higher value out of it that's awesome to hear thank you man I'm, i i think it's it's always cool just to you know for our listeners i mean for martin for myself just to to kind of hear hear that broken down and easy to understand way so thank you for that mark and i know you had a question earlier sorry if i completely threw you off uh, <laughs> no all good <laughs> all good jordan awesome okay well getting close to that time we've had you on for quite a while uh, martin and as usual uh it, it has been a pleasure um any like last this. words from anyone before yeah uh, i do want to say okay. uh, since you knew i was going to say something here it goes um you know we talk a lot about ai uh, automation um, and in my role, you know, in, in, in enterprise sales, uh, and especially in our space in e-commerce, what I think can't be replaced with automation, what can't be replaced with AI, really is the genuine connections you make, you know, not only in our space, but just as human beings. Like for myself and Mark, we've been friends and we've been able to nurture that relationship. And outside of trying to help one another out and seeing if there's an opportunity his way or my way, like it's, it's fun to have conversations with him because we've nurtured a great relationship, right? We have a great professional friendship. I haven't seen him in person. I hope he's not taller than me, but I feel like he is. Um, he's really great with outdoor winter sports. I live in Toronto and I haven't done anything. So it puts me to shame already. So I'm already at a, two disadvantages. Um, hopefully he can't sing because I can't sing either, but if he can, then I'm, you know, that's strike three for me. I'm a horrible singer. So oh, all right. I have a chance. I have a chance. Um, but yeah, that for me, that's what really drives the excitement to be in a space like e-commerce, the excitement to talk about 
about automation and to pitch it and talk about how we can help brands grow is because I'm friends with Mark. It makes me feel like when he wins, I win. When I win, hopefully he feels like he wins. And then when I see what you do on online, on LinkedIn, like the, the social media managing that you do of Soligo's brand, sure, maybe you can use ChatGP to come up with a cal you know content calendar. Maybe you can come up with the captions. But the genuine, authentic, human creativity you put in the things that you do makes a difference. And that's why for us, it's like Quartile's tech plus team. The automation is the tech. Soligo is the tech. Quartile is the tech. But who is the team? Who is the team that's pushing it forward? Who is the team that's thinking outside of what you've set in the algorithm to come up with something new? And that, for me, is the most exciting out of everything, is that as effective and as amazing and as scalable as automation can be, do it with people you want to do it with, with people who are in it with you to win it with you. That part, for me, outside of automation, the human side of it, is the best part. I think you you hit the nail on the head. And I think as all of us grow, unfortunately older, but fortunately wiser, I think. Um, I <laughs> Hopefully think we, wiser. Hopefully <laughs> well, wiser. A little bit at a time. But I, th yeah. I think that's that's kind of, I mean, I've realized that, you know, speaking for myself is that, you know, the work is fun, the automation is fun, but it's, it's if you can find the people that you really enjoy working with and that you connect with, it makes the the work and the grind and the hustle like so much more, not only valuable and worth it, but just like fun and easy. And I think if, if, you know, you're slogging through life, trudging through the mud and not really, you know, smiling and laughing and, and, and having fun along the way, and you're just, you know, in a rut thinking about your job, there's, it's, it's hard to grow. It's hard to embrace things like AI or automation or even just basic positivity. And so I think, um, you know, developing these relationships and, and having you on multiple times, Martin, and, you know, Mark, for the opportunity to have you on and, and chat about these things from someone on the team that probably normally wouldn't talk to you is is not only important for all of us, but I think it's it's very uh, emblematic of Quartile, it's emblematic of Sligo, it's emblematic of Martin, it's emblematic of you, Mark, just because uh, those, those, are, those are good things to strive to do in life. And um, I'm, I'm very thankful to have you both on the podcast. And um, now I feel like we're in like a campfire to come by our session. Yeah, it's a TED but, talk. It's turned uh, into a TED talk and I like it. <laughs> um, well, awesome. I will uh, stop talking now. Uh, anything else from your end, Martin, before we... Oh, uh, uh, no. Mark, up? anything else? I, you know, you and I both got a chance. I don't know if Mark had some. No, else. Sorry, no it's good. I will not talk about my feelings here. So we're, we're all right. <laughs> All right. Well, I will say next time there will be a singing competition for those of uh, right. you who are still listening. Um, Total Eclipse thanks. of the Heart. It's coming. Here we go. <laughs> I'll do uh, Tomorrow by from Annie the Musical. That's the only song go. I can memorize. Mark's but, um, coming anyways. with some 90s hardcore rap. I can't <laughs> wait. Um, I'm Jordan. I'm the social media manager over here at Sligo. Martin Zerudo, the director of enterprise sales at Quartile. Thank you so much for having us. And Mark, as always, my wonderful co-host, the VP of strategy at Sligo. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. If you made it this far, uh, we have a whole bunch of fantastic new episodes with really cool guests from some very interesting and very large companies coming up. Uh, we can't wait to see you guys at the next episode. See you guys next time. Thank Bye, you. Everyone. Thank you so much. Bye, guys. Bye.